Good day and welcome to There is a Method to the Madness. My name is Rob Maxwell. I'm an exercise physiologist and personal trainer, and I'm the owner of Maxwell's Fitness Programs. I've been in business for the past 25 years. This podcast is all about fitness, things I like to talk about, and things I think you need to hear about. So uh, with that, let's get rolling. My last podcast, I talked about intensity, and um, that's the main contributor to progress and resistance training, whether we're looking for more strength, more endurance, more hypertrophy, which is size, it all comes back to intensity. And I explained, uh, like the name, there's a method to the madness as to why that's true, why that works. And um, as I said in the podcast, I was going to get cut short on time, and I was. And I said I need to come back and talk about some more things. So that's what I'm going to do today because, hey, you know, there is a method to the madness when it comes to strength training, when it comes to really all things, and when it comes to all things fitness. So I like to get into why things work, and that's what I want to finish up on today. And uh, today is going to be fun for you uh, workout folks that like to play with your workouts and do different things to bring about other uh, ways to make your workout harder, more fun, more challenging. And so that's what I'm going to do today is how do we actually raise the intensity in a workout? So if it comes down to how hard we work and not how long we work, then what are techniques to get us there? So that's what we're going to do. As I said in the other podcast, and I'll repeat because uh, it's no guarantee everybody listened to the other one. So we basically need to take all of the sets that we do to what is called volitional fatigue. That means basically we're doing the maximum weight we can do for the rep range that we're in in a given period of time. As I said in the other podcast, the anaerobic window is basically 30 to 90 seconds. So our strength sets should be in there primarily if we're working for strength, endurance, and hypertrophy, which again is size. So we need to take those sets to volitional fatigue. That's kind of a, a given before we can get to these other what we call advanced techniques or high intensity techniques. We need to understand that that is the case. Okay. That's as simple as if you were doing, say, 100 pounds on the leg extension and you did 11 reps because 11 reps is all you can do, you were losing form or you just couldn't take the burn anymore or whatever, or your muscles or the movement just stopped, okay, that's volitional fatigue. That's what we're talking about. Um, too many times people will see an exercise prescription in a muscle magazine or book that says three sets of 12 of bicep curls say and they'll just do three sets of 12 randomly not thinking too much about the weight well you know that isn't really three sets of 12 you know that's three sets of whatever I mean if you could have went on forever then that really wasn't a 12 rep max okay so what really dictates most of the intensity is the load we use that's that's one of the things and then taking that load to fatigue greater than 30 seconds, as I said, okay? So that's your premise before you even think about doing different types of sets, all right? Can you overtrain by going to failure, which is another word for volitional fatigue all the time? Yes, that's why everybody's different and you have to figure out just how much 
quality you can take, just how much volume you can take. We're all a little bit different. That's why keeping a good training chart is a great idea. Keeping a log is a good idea. So we actually know, you know, how much is too much. Injury-wise, not really. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about um, not seeing good results anymore, basically slowing down in your progress. That's what I'm really talking about. Um, Okay. So what are some of these techniques? One of the ones I love is called the breakdown technique. It's great. All right. And basically it works like this. After you've taken your set to fatigue, I'll just go back to the leg extension. Um, Let's say you did 12 reps at 100 pounds and that's absolutely all you can do in good form. As soon as you finish that set, drop the weight by about 30%. That's what some of the research says. Uh, again, um, you know, does it have to be 30%? No, I mean, the method to the madness states, it's got to be a little bit lighter so the set can continue, okay? So, but use around 25 to 30% as a good ballpark to play with it. So reduce the weight immediately. I don't mean wait 30 seconds. I mean reduce the weight immediately and then continue your set. If you really want the failure for that moderate rep range of say 12 reps, after reducing the weight by 30%, you shouldn't be able to do really more than three to five reps. If you can do more than three to five reps, you probably didn't hit failure in the first set. Is it the end of the world? No, because again, fatigue is fatigue. But breakdowns are a great way to make sure that you really got to failure, okay? You might be wondering, well, so if you already want the failure, do you need to do this? Well, you know, need to? No. I mean, but one thing breakdowns will do is they'll guarantee you really got there, right? Because sometimes we're all, you know, maybe losing our focus towards the end of the set. And what happens also is the method to the madness. Here comes a little bit of the science. So when we go to fatigue, what that really means is we've recruited every muscle fiber in that particular muscle group, okay? So there's such a thing called the size principle. The size principle states that we recruit from your smallest to largest muscle fiber. So we originally recruit all of the slow twitch. Those are the guys that aren't overly powerful and can handle a lot of endurance. We recruit them first. After we start to recruit, utilize, and fatigue them, we go into your type 2A fibers. Those are your intermediate fibers. Now the set's starting to really burn, but not all the way there yet. Once we fatigue them, we go into the fast twitch muscle fibers, okay? The type two fibers, they're the big boys. They're the ones that can lift heavy loads. They're powerful, they're strong. They also fatigue quickly. So once we get in to recruit them and fatigue them, that's failure, okay? Now, Guess who's starting to recover once we're working on those fast switch fibers? That's right, the type one, the slow twitch. So as we break and reduce the weight, the slow twitch fibers have already had a chance to somewhat recover. And now they're the ones that lift the load, the 70% you have left for a few more reps. So it's basically just making sure that we go through all the recruiting process and then some. That's why it works, the method to the madness. It's a great technique. Um, it works very well and it's time efficient. You know, in a personal training workout, we've only got so long to get person through the workout. And, um, you know, if we need something that can be done without the person moving around a lot, which takes time, then the breakdown technique works great. Um, 
Use it primarily on your primary exercises, your isolation exercises. You can do it on your compounds, but it's a lot harder. And your compound exercises are your bench presses and your squats and your leg presses. Uh, you can imagine that could get a little risky if you re-rack the weight, take off a little bit, and then start again. I mean, obviously, don't do any of this stuff without a spotter. But it doesn't work as well on there because as you're trying to take the weights off, then you're kind of like letting the muscles recover too much. So it's better to do on a primary exercise where you can shift the weights really quick. All right, another technique is pre-exhaust. Man, I love pre-exhaust too. Um, so pre-exhaust means you're working the primary, the isolation exercise, just before the compound movement or the multi-joint movement, all right? Now, the reason why this works, think of squats. If you're a, if you're a bodybuilder guy that has squatted a lot of weight, in their life, um, a lot of times what fatigues is the lower back because the lower back is, is weak comparatively speaking to the glutes, the quads, and the hamstrings. So after a good squat routine, someone might say, you know, my glutes, my quads aren't really sore, but my back is. Well, that's because, you know, essentially the back's getting fatigued and the form may not be overly great, so you're using too much of your back. There's a lot of reasons why that might be, but the bottom line is we don't want that to be the case. We want the primary muscle groups to get the work. So one way we can assure that is to pre-exhaust the muscle. So that would mean that we do the primary exercise first, which is the leg extension or leg curl. Depends. Do you want bigger quads? Do you want bigger hamstrings? So if you do the leg extension first, you're really fatiguing the quads. Okay. So you would do your normal set to failure, say maybe around 10 to 12 reps in good form, all this is in good form, immediately into your squat. So the key with pre-exhaust studies has shown that you need to be starting that second exercise within five seconds. I mean, I've been doing this a long time and unless I'm doing it to myself, it's almost impossible. I mean, it's really, really hard. So the method to the madness says you want the person to get to the exercise, of course, before that muscle group has really recovered, okay? So that may not be within five seconds. We have to use a little common sense here, but you want it to be as fast as possible. Then you fatigue the leg extension, you run into the squat, however you're doing it, a goblet with a dumbbell on a Smith machine, body weight, doesn't matter. And now you do a lower rep version of the squat or whatever compound exercise you chose. No, not heavy. It doesn't need to be heavy. If you pre-exhausted it, that compound movement does not need to be heavy. The quad should already be shot. But now you're working those muscles that you really, really want to work because they're fatigued. So right away, they're getting pushed as soon as you start the squat. Bing, bang, boom. Takes the low back out of the equation and you finally get to hit those muscle groups you've been trying to hit in the squat or whatever exercise, okay? So think 10 to 12 reps followed by around four to six reps and go immediately. Neither has to be heavy. That's the beauty of all these high intensity techniques is we really don't need to train that heavy with them. We just do stuff right. Do the same thing with leg curl, all right? Same thing. Another example would be upper body. I mean, sometimes people say that their triceps are their weak link and so they give out when when you're trying to bench press and they don't feel like this guy, whatever is getting their chest as big and strong as they want. They think the triceps are always hurting them. So you can pre-exhaust your chest 
or your triceps, whichever, doesn't matter. You know, it's all about doing the primary than the compound, but take chest as an example. You would do a nice set of cable flies or dumbbell flies, and then immediately into a bench press or a chest press. Again, those primed muscles are already fatigued once you start. And now you're doing the compound movement where you have the aid of the assistance muscle groups to help you get through the set. So the chest might be hammered from the flies, but now the triceps are fresh. So it's kind of spotting the pectoralis major all the way through and you're taking it to a deeper level of fatigue. So you're recruiting the fast twitch muscle fibers in a faster time frame. Okay, so remember the, the size principle always says we recruit from smallest to largest. It doesn't say how fast we go through the blocks. All right. So the higher the intensity, the quicker you get to those fast twitch muscles, which oftentimes is what we want with that. All right. So that's pre-exhaust. That's a great way. Another one is to focus on negatives. Now, negatives is really, really hard. As I said in the other podcast, most strength is built on the negative method to the madness. The negative or the eccentric load, the eccentric load is twice as strong as the concentric or the positive. Let's take a bench press again or a chest press. As you're lowering the weight, that is the negative. You can lower far more weight than you can push out. You can lower on a squat slowly far more weight than you can lift back up. That's the negative. So doing primarily negatives means there's a lot of different ways to do it, but a way, a, a reasonable way to do it in a normal workout would be after you reach fatigue, do a few more negatives. Now, if you're training with a trainer, training with your partner, then you can get a spot to help you do this. If you're training on machines like leg extension, leg curl, it's as simple as you can use your other limb to, to spot you essentially. So what that means is like, let's say a leg extension, you go to fatigue, you reduce the weight by roughly half of the load, you lift it back up with both legs and lower it with one. That would be doing the negative because now the negative motion is getting even more fatigued, or I should say it's really getting fatigued because when you reach volitional fatigue or muscular failure, Failure, I'm sorry. Typically, that is the concentric movement because the eccentric still has some wiggle room left. It's still strong. It's still got energy. So a way to fatigue the eccentric contractions or the negatives is then do negatives afterwards. Do you have to? No. Again, just an extra technique if you feel like you're not getting certain muscle groups caught up to other muscle groups. It helps. Another way to do it is kind of like a self-spot. So pull-ups. You may not be strong enough to do pull-ups yet. Um, you can do negatives. I have a lot of my female clients do this. I have one female client um, and, and she just can crank out 12 pull-ups. That's not too often. So I don't mean to make this gender specific. I'm just stating that in most cases, men are typically a little bit stronger at pull-ups than women. It just has to do with genetic upper body strength. But what I'll have them do is jump up, kind of pull themselves up into a jump, hold their chin at the bar and lower themselves as slow as they can. That's doing a negative. We can do the same thing with dips. We can do the same thing with push-ups. So like negatives are a great way to go to. The bottom line folks is there's so many different ways to add tech uh, intensity techniques. Um, with some of my clients, I play the fifties game and that just means that um, they have to get 50 reps at a given weight in as few as sets as possible. You know, it might, oh man, you're adding sets. No, you're not. Like once you understand the method to the madness, you're, 
you're really not anymore. You kind of get around that and think, well, it doesn't have a lot to do with anything. It just challenges you to work really, really hard. So this is a great way to build endurance. It's a great way to build hypertrophy, you know, get a little bit more size in the areas you want to build. It challenges you mentally, but basically it'd be like push-ups. Say, all right, so do as many push-ups as you can. Once you hit failure, then it depends on who it is and how much fitness they have, but we'll do maybe a countdown of 15 seconds. After 15 seconds, they pick it up where they left off. Let's say they got 27. Well, 15 second break. All right, here we go. We got to get 50. Maybe they get another 10 more. Now they're at 37 and we do it again. So like that's a technique that you can use. That's a high intensity technique to really make sure that you're getting the failure. There's all different things that we can do to do this. And I'm getting ready to wrap up here. Um, so I want to like state, you know, how you pick how to train in different techniques largely comes down to personality. You know, I was speaking with somebody the other day, you know, it was an important message for, you know, them to hear. It's like, are you a numbers person or a feel person? If you're not very good at feel, numbers is going to work better, but the trainer then has to use the science to get them there. For example, I have one client, he, he likes to know how many, that's okay, that works, it's a goal, it challenges him. But I'll put the number there knowing him where I know he's going to hit failure, right? So I don't just give him some random number, I, I give him a number that I know will get this person to failure, right? So I'll say, okay, 12 reps, because I know the last time he fatigued around 10 or 11, so I'm challenging him to get to that number, right? So you can be a numbers person. And all these high intensity techniques are really pure strength training techniques work. Or you can be a field person. I'm more of a field person. I'm a numbers person too, but I'm like, if you say just go to failure in good form, I will and I won't get too bent out of shape because once I start to fatigue in a given exercise, you know, I, I kind of like really focus in and I'm able to zero in and get to where I need to be. Some people, that's not the case. Like they don't know themselves very well. They're like, oh, I'm done. I'm fatigued. I'm tired. And the trainer's looking at them like, mm, no, you're not. You got like more gas in the tank, but they don't realize it. So with them, you're going to want to use numbers. So everybody's a little bit different. And that's where these little techniques, these um, few I mentioned today come in because it's like it gets people where they need to be. I mean, the bottom line is that we are not automatically going to push ourselves. Don't beat yourself up if you say, I can't take a lot of discomfort. Most people can't. Like in our DNA, we want to be comfortable. We have to go past our human instincts that says, I'm tired or I'm fatigued. We have to go beyond that. Like that's, we're built to relax more. I mean, we're built, you know, that that's part of survival of the fittest. That's part of this, you know, that's part of, you know, in us says, you know, walk if you got a chance to walk or run, stand if you got a chance to uh, walk or stand, sit if you have a chance to sit, lay down if you have a chance to lay down. I mean, that's in us. So we're, you know, sometimes people think, oh, you can just push yourself, man. You love it. You, you know, no, that's not the case. I mean, we're all, we all want to go to our default mode, which is less. We really do. Now, the ones who have experienced success are simply the ones that override that, 
Okay, they override that switch and go, no, 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 I got more. So you can learn to do it. So don't feel beat yourself up if you're like, man, I quit early. I, you know, okay, so what? You know, now I'm teaching you how not to. All right, so just just keep that in mind. We're, we're made for that, okay? But we also have this great brain that says, oh, that's not true. I've got more in me. I'm not going to listen to these thoughts that are telling me I can't do it. All right? What I want to do right now is thank our sponsor because without our sponsor, we can't really do a podcast. You know, it costs money to put things on the air. And um, Jonathan and Lynn Gilden are awesome. You know, they own the Gilden Group Realtors with Reality Pros. And I got to meet them because they came to my fitness, one of my fitness events, and they both crushed it. You know, they, they tore it up in their couples group, and Jonathan was the lead runner. And Jonathan and Lynn are always staying active and fit. And uh, I watched them on Facebook, and, you know, they're always doing great things with their workouts. And I really, really appreciate it. And they've done a great job and wanted to step up and help um, sponsor the podcast because they enjoy it. Obviously, they're in the real estate business. And real estate right now is prime, but you know, you need, you need good agents. You need good agents to help you. And I've been through that a lot. I've had some really good ones and I've had some not so good ones. Makes all the difference in the world. And I can vouch for these guys. The Gildan Group Realtors with Reality Pros are awesome. They will help you do what you need to do, whether it be sell your house or find another place to live. They can be reached at thegildengroup.com. And once again, I appreciate them and I appreciate you for listening. Until next time, be max fit and be Maxwell.